0: If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5-star B-D-M, B for brand, D for development, M for masters, dot com. Now let's begin with our next 5-star episode on Follow the Brand. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on Follow the Brand. This is your host, Grant McGall. And today, we're going to talk about... There's been a problem that I have noticed uh, within the healthcare industry. A lot of our uh, esteemed students, they, they get out of school they achieve, you know, marvelous degrees, whether it's a a master's of health administration or master's in business administration, they enter into industry, they enter into the job force, and they get into that first managerial role. And then they spend some time there. And then they usually will will find their way into the director role. And then they become stuck. And they, they, they can spend a lot of cycles in that role. And then they don't, you know, get the opportunity to transcend into that VP role or into that next C-suite, you know, opportunity. Uh, so this is where I want to talk to our our early careers, our mid mid careers, specifically our mid careers. And I want to bring on a a a, a, ver- a very esteemed individual. Uh, I have a lot of respect for her. She's been in the healthcare around since graduating from school, about 10 years. And I want to get her experience. I want her to be able to talk to that specific audience about her journey and what she's doing to elevate her brand. So Ms. Angela Raphael, she is an experienced healthcare operations leader. Her background within the healthcare administration arena spans over 10 years, working mainly in nonprofit academic medical centers, as well as in the consulting arena. Her expertise includes operations, financial oversight, human resource management, and working with multiple stakeholders to drive departmental initiatives. She currently works at MedStar Montgomery Medical Center as a director of operations for the Center for Successful Aging in Washington, DC. So Angela, she received her undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, after receiving her undergrad, me, undergraduate degree, Angela attended the George Washington University G Dub in Washington D.C. to pursue her master's in healthcare administration. The graduate program included a one-year residency, in which she completed at John Hopkins Bayview Medical Center. Professional associations that Angela is a part of include the American College of Healthcare Executives and the National Association of Health Services Executives. Angela has a passion for making a difference and has held several leadership positions within Nasi at a local and national level. She has served as the Membership and Communications Chair of the Baltimore Chapter, Co-Chair for the National Mentoring Program, member of the National Case Competition Planning Committee, treasurer of the Atlanta chapter, and most recently as president of the Atlanta chapter. In her spare time, Angela enjoys coaching and mentoring. She is oftentimes solicited by young professionals on LinkedIn for informal career advisement and also serves as an adjunct instructor for Bryant and Stratton Online College. Angela enjoys continuously looking for ways to improve herself and has spent the last year intentionally focusing on wellness. She's a firm believer in health is well. I want to welcome my audience. This is Follow the Brand with CEO Grant McGaugh of Five Star BDM. And today we have a wonderful guest, Ms. Angela Raphael. I have much respect for her. What she's been able to accomplish in her time in the industry of healthcare administration. So, without further ado, I want to introduce you to Angela and allow her to kind of like walk us through her path for these last these last ten years that since she's been separated from school to now.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Grant, for having me on this evening. And um, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm very excited to join you and uh, super excited to just discuss my journey in healthcare administration. And so, um, like any traditional program, I went to the George Washington University for my grad school um, degree in master's in healthcare administration. And essentially from there, I, I did my administrative residency because that was a part of our program there. So it was very natural. We all knew we were going to actually do that. Um, being from Maryland at the time, um, I, I knew I wanted to go to Johns Hopkins. That's, that was the number one. I wanted to be number one. And so I applied and got accepted to their residency program at Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center. It's more of a community hospital setting. Had an amazing experience, a one-year experience, able to shadow different C-suite individuals across the organization, work on a lot of cool projects. But after that, honestly, I didn't know where to go from there. And they don't really teach you that in grad school. Like, What do you do after this residency, right? And it was just so broad. The experience was very broad that it was hard to really try to hone in on anything because you got operations exposure, finance exposure, ambulatory exposure, um, even got to shadow individuals in EBS. So all over the hospital, which was amazing, but it left me very confused. And so luckily, I just kind of lucked up into an opportunity to work for Johns Hopkins Singapore International Medical Center. And that was only a six-month experience. And I knew that I always wanted to study abroad. And so for me, naturally, I signed up to live abroad in Singapore for six months and um, learn a whole different culture, be exposed to a new culture. And, I mean, healthcare is complex here, but imagine being immersed in an environment where there really isn't anyone else that looks like you, Um, everybody Everybody had the tone that I had. I'll say it that way, as far as my
0: hue. Oh, and totally so different. I, Fish out of water. Here you are.
1: Totally different. And so that was really hard to adjust to initially, but um, everyone is so, everyone was so nice there. So that helped. Um, when I say everyone, I mean the Singaporeans and everybody else. It's, it's very much so like a melting pot there. Um, but so it was neat to explore different cultures, but also within the organization, I was re- well received because there were a lot of expatriates meaning individuals from other countries that were also working there like myself. And so um, I fit in. I I tend to work well with very diverse groups. And so I loved it, honestly. And I did that for six months, as expected, and then transitioned back to the Baltimore office working for Johns Hopkins International. I ended up staying there for about four years total, which is amazing. So... But from there, in school, they teach us about service line management, and they always encourage us to do that. And so I figured at some point I wanted to transition into operations because that's what I heard about in school, and it sounded great. And so I applied for ops manager role working for Johns Hopkins Hospital, and um, that, that department was physical medicine and rehab. So I had three outpatient clinics, never managed before, never had any direct reports before that role. And so as you can imagine, Grant, I I learned a lot in that experience, just trying to manage people, uh, have direct reports, right? Um, Lesson learned, I would probably say to those who are listening, just with that experience, um, be humble. Step into your first manager role and be humble because you don't know anything, right? And so what I did in my first three months, I made a point to really shadow my team and learn their roles. And so I wanted to make sure that if they were coming to me, asking me questions day to day, that I was actually knowledgeable and they knew that I was knowledgeable because I spent time working alongside them. And so I was checking in patients at some point, just kind of learning how the operations work, Um, Also, I always work well across departments. So I realized that, well, my clinic individuals aren't really the first kind of contact. Let me actually work with the call center too, to understand how calls are coming in and then how they get to my clinic. So just delving deeper. Um, So I think intellectual curiosity is going to be a theme with my story. I just really like to learn how things work. And I, I was able to do that in that role. But since then, honestly, I've been in different operations roles in in an increasing capacity over the last 10 years, essentially. So from there, I went to MedStar Health, had a multi-specialty ambulatory practice, many different specialties, so primary care, women's health, ortho, sports medicine, cardiology, endocrinology, you name it, we had it. So that, as you can imagine, was very different, learning different service lines and just kind of working with Uh, physicians from different service lines. I will say physicians have their own cultures. And so just navigating different personalities, I would say was very key in that role, as well as um, inventory services at MedStar at that point in time was very startup. And so I had to really kind of build ground up, implement policies and procedures, things of that nature. And so I think a key point with that is that always make sure you lean on the team when you're developing things, because I am not the expert in everything, but together if we partner we can actually come up with some very good policies and procedures that will support the larger team, right? And so I think that that was very integral. And from there, I moved down. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia currently, and I moved down here to work for Emory Healthcare about five and a half years ago. Amazing experience, I will say, and um, held a couple positions there, one being a senior manager of patient access, which is actually more of a support role. And so when we think about what do I want to do after my degree, just note that there are more things out there than just operations, your traditional operations. And that was a good position for me because everyone thought I managed 100 plus call center agents, but I actually had zero direct reports, which was amazing as a manager. And um, it was neat because I got to work with a lot of different stakeholders. So I worked with the contact center. I worked with the Department of Primary Care. But within primary care, there was, you know, internal medicine, there was also geriatrics, and then somehow I also got palliative medicine too as a part of my scope. So I was supporting all these different groups and helping to coordinate projects and making sure that we can implement things to drive organizational level um, initiatives, which was just very impactful as you can imagine. And essentially the work that I was doing helped to broaden the access within Emory Healthcare at large. So super duper impactful, but that was a type of role I never even heard about, you know, in grad school. So. Neat, you know, and so but then I got promoted into an administrator role, managing nine outpatient clinics within geriatrics and primary care. And that was kind of more of what I was used to uh, just based off the background I just shared. And so I enjoyed that. But, um, you know, I wanted to try something different, Grant. And so I thought consulting might be the next step for me. So that's where I, I went next.
0: And well, I can before share we go go there, because this is very, very interesting. Because yes. from what I'm hearing, what you're telling me is that you got out of your program, your MHA program at George Washington, which I believe was in the DC area. Uh, yes, Washington. yeah, right. So you're That's right Washington there,
1: like George Washington University. I know the the Ohio State folks. Like to say that. Oh,
0: okay, put the T.A.T. Yeah, on I that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> say it correctly. I, I I get that. That's wonderful. So the yeah. impression that I'm getting from you is that number one. And I could be wrong, but you sound like you were a pretty good student.
1: I was pretty decent, I'll say that, Grant. I was pretty decent. Um, yeah. But let me add that I didn't know I was actually going to do a, a healthcare administration program. I thought I was going to be a dentist, uh-huh. so I didn't even move with that. But I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I went to go shadow a dentist in undergrad, and I fainted. Hmm. I literally hit the ground. And so talk about eye-opening experience and um, just through kind of speaking with some colleagues and then reading about healthcare administration, I felt like that would be a better fit for me because I like helping people, but I realized I can help people through improving processes and still have access to patients and, you know, those interactions that I wanted, um, but just a whole different lens. And so um, I honestly just kind of fell into this career, to be honest.
0: and That's why I wanted to talk about that story just a little bit. Um, because it's interesting because that's part of who you are personal branding is about yourself and how you're living your life and how you're perceived and right now I'm perceiving you very very well that that you're very intelligent and that you you set a path for yourself and then you're willing to 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 walk the walk and take whatever that experience comes with it and you're going all the way to Singapore you don't know what's going to happen in Singapore (laughs) That means you're an inventor.
1: Yeah, right? You're I willing am. to
0: take that event, that venture to to reach your goal. Now, my my question is, when, as you were leaving your MHA, now you've kind of discovered a little bit what you kind of hone in on what you wanted to do as far as you wanted to be a healthcare administrator. Mm-hmm. Is that right now? Was yes. your goal at that point? I want to run hospitals. I want to be a, a CEO. Or, or was it different?
1: It was after my, I would say before I started my administrative residency, that was my goal to be, I wanted to be a chief operating officer, but just having that broad exposure and experience, it opened my eyes to all these different avenues. And so for me, I like variety and I think, you know, as a COO, you can get variety, but for me, I think it's more of just finding what really is the balance between my personality and what I'm good at. And then, um, you know, skill sets I can grow along the way. And so I think the important piece I'm trying to hone in on is that don't pigeonhole yourself into into a title. I don't think that's something that um, was wise of me to do because, well, A, I didn't know much about the role. Let's be honest, coming out of grad school, I've heard about COOs, but I didn't know much about it. But also um, my curiosity along the way and my exposure to many other titles and individuals in the healthcare arena has clearly taking me on a very windy road, right? I, it wasn't a straight and narrow path. And so I think it's important to just be open to learning along your journey and also doing, you know, those informational interviews along the way too and making sure that you can um, speak with individuals that might have an interesting title and see if that might be of interest too because you might think you know what you want to do, but life hits you and life has curveballs, right? And so just be very open-minded along the way.
0: Now that that's very good advice. And so I wanted to know, and you might have already answered this, but if somebody wanted to pursue a career similar to yours, would you want to, you know, I think you kind of answered that, but I want to see if there's more to that question that you want to let our audience know about.
1: I think that, well, what I didn't mention is that, yes, we've talked mainly about my work within the workplace, but also professional organizations. I can't. Um, leave that topic without mentioning professional organizations. And here's my shameless plug for the National Association of Health Services Executives. I think that that organization was very instrumental in my journey. And so when I was in graduate school, I actually competed in the the Everett B. Fox case competition and um, represented the George Washington University. And we took home the first place trophy. I think it was a plaque No, at that time. no but, way. Yes, we did. <laughs> which was amazing and also very scary, Grant. I'm not going to lie to you. It was very, very scary. But um, what I learned was that leadership comes in a lot of different ways. I didn't know that I was leading a team at that point. It wasn't until I reflected years later that I was like, wow, that was actually my first leadership experience. And so I led a team, me being one of three individuals, to um, take the reins and analyze this case, work with um, work through different aspects of the case, actually prep with our school and all that good stuff, and actually present at the national conference. and um, you know, like as I mentioned, we won, but it wasn't about winning. I just want to put that out there. It wasn't about winning. The experience itself was priceless. I mean, i I'm not a fan of public speaking. I've Grown a lot along the way, but that actually <laughs> made me be in the forefront. So that was very interesting. But also the connections I made with the other students across uh, the different programs. These are connections I have and lifelong friends, right? And so that was ten years ago. Well, actually, let's see. That was two thousand and nine. So I guess more than ten years ago, yeah, right? A little bit. So more. That was a long time. Yeah, and these individuals now are like you know directors, vice presidents, etc., in different organizations. So. Once again, these were connections I was making at that stage in my life. But also, I think that, you know, what NACI has taught me is that I shouldn't just sit on the sidelines. I need to be active and engaged. And so after that experience, I've held several leadership positions within NACI um, locally. Shout out to the Baltimore chapter, Atlanta chapter. Of course, I have to shout them out. I was I'm the immediate past president of the Atlanta chapter, also served on the National Mentoring Program Committee. So different leadership roles along the way that has helped groom my leadership skills, to be honest. I got a lot from the workplace, but I also, I got a lot from NACI too. So I want to give a plug for, you know, to the students or any early careers listening to explore different professional organizations, because it will broaden your eyes to different career opportunities too. But also life is really about connections, meaningful connections, right? And so I must say I've gained a lot of meaningful connections through NACI.
0: There is no question about that, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. It is definitely not a plug at all, because without these associations, number one, you don't—at least for me—you don't have the the, the the network that you think you do yeah. until you get involved. And then mm-hmm. instead of finding out the, I would say the the, the school of hard knocks, but finding out on the job about certain things that happen in day to day life. If you can find those same things out through your own network to bounce ideas off of people, to ask a good question, if you were in this situation, what would you do? And you've got somebody that you trust and and trust in you. So there's a mutual uh, bond between you. That's golden. That's golden. And that's something that, as you said earlier, that you can live, you know, or you can work with these individuals for a number of different years. So it's not just a college connection or it's not just, you know, work connection. You know, it's a lifelong collection in, in the industry that you're working in. So I applaud you for, for that. And so I'm going to ask, I'm going to pivot a little bit, a little bit. And I, and I want to talk about, because this is a personal branding show. And mm-hmm. I'm just listening to you and discovering your personal brand and seeing, and I want to hear from you. How do you believe that? yourself, how you branded yourself to help propel your career, how would you frame that conversation?
1: Yes, for me, I'm all about integrity. I think I lead with integrity, right? And so every connection I make, I want it to be meaningful, I'm an introvert. I should probably say this about myself. I'm an introvert, so I'm okay being by myself. I get my energy from myself, right? But I know that's not going to help me (laughs) at all, right? So I have to get out of my shell. And so if I'm going to take the leap to get out of my shell and really put myself out there, then I want to make sure my connections are very meaningful. And so I always like for an equal exchange of information, if that makes sense. And so I'm very invested in that way. I would say that I'm a, a people person. I'm very genuine and naturally, I think that's why people gravitate towards me um, in a sense that like early careers, for example, always on LinkedIn reaching out to me. And I think it's great. And I'm usually that person that says, yes, I have time free because for me, it's all about giving back. That's how I get my joy. I like to give back. It's very rewarding for me to see others succeed. And of course, I hope to succeed along the way. But if I can see someone, you know, coming out of grad school and I've had that first interaction with them and, you know, made an impact on them and have kept that connection over the years, that's impactful for me, that gives me joy. And so I think that Um, That's where that integrity, that genuine nature comes in that I have. I think people would say that about me. But I think also um, a part of my brand is I know I don't know it all. And so I'm always open to feedback. And I think that that's something that is very important. And I think feedback, I know feedback comes in a lot of different ways, right? And so I've learned that the hard way, I think, along my journey, just because sometimes you get hard feedback and that may make someone like me want to retreat, but I always have the understanding now at this stage that it's coming from a good place.
0: This episode is brought to you by 5 Star BDM. 5 Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.adv.org five starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of follow the brand
1: nobody's out here to hurt me right and so even if it's something i don't want to hear i need to mull it over and then you see themes and feedback too if you heard it a couple different times from a couple different people it's probably true, right? And so being able to digest that information and then implement it and make myself better from it, I think that's something that has helped to kind of refine my personal brand along the way too, I would say.
0: I think that is a uh, wonderful uh, self-reflection. You know, yes. What I heard there was first integrity, which is my brand as well. It's what I kind of lead with is, is integrity because that definitely creates relationships when people trust and believe. In you, and they they know that they can count on you. So then that's huge, right? And then just having self awareness about how others are are see you, and that you can then make changes because sometimes the as you get that mirror up to yourself, and you see like wow, what they just told me actually I was I've been doing. Everyone has blind spots. We we don't have three hundred and sixty degree vision. You know, we might be very, very good in, in the periphery of our vision, which is maybe 90 plus degrees, but you got to think okay. there's another 270 degrees. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are around you and they, they see those blind spots. And some of those people will make you aware of that because they're your friend and others will not. And that becomes an Achilles for you. And you might mm-hmm. not even be aware of that. So I, I think in, in the world of leadership, you know what, leadership is really about. You are on the right path. I've been told many, many uh, from a lot of different sources that leadership is about helping others.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: if you I'm lead right. with that and you lead mm-hmm. with integrity, those people that you're leading and the people that are around you, they're going to help you along life's way and give you that good feedback, that good advice, like, ah, you know, I really needed that. Because we all, need that type of feedback. So thanks for sharing uh, along those lines, for sure.
1: Can I say one more thing there? Just one more. But is that I think that another thing is that I kind of alluded to this before, I think I want to say it more explicitly, that at least for me, I found that in the beginning, early on in my career, I was more titles driven. But I know life is more than that. So I'm very much so purpose-driven at this stage of my career. It's not about the titles for me. I think that titles come and go and let's be honest and transparent here in this conversation, a title at one organization and a title at another organization, they don't equate, let's just be honest, right? And sure. the dollars don't equate. So for me, it's about purpose and impact and that's where I am in, in this stage in life. And so I think that also speaks to my personal brand that everything I do, I really wanna lead with uh, my moral compass and make sure that it's purpose-driven.
0: Now, does that frame your your beliefs and how you think you should live your life and conduct your work? Or is that more more to that story?
1: Definitely. It definitely fits into that conversation, I would say. I feel like um, with that, many do not know this, and so I'm kind of putting myself on blast, as they say, but um, I've been unemployed for the last nine months. It will be nine months until I start my next job, which I have landed but I have been um, on my eat, pray, love. That's what I've been saying about myself. And honestly, it's been the most amazing nine months of my life. And um, I've been able to reflect a lot. And I say eat, pray, love because, um, and also mind, body, soul, like maybe let's anchor off of that. So with my mind, I've been feeding my mind with a lot of great things like meditation and things like that. And that's something that You know the hustle and bustle and day to day of my career. I I didn't have time to pause really, and so now I can pause and reflect on like what really matters to me and focus on being mindful in the present state and things like that. And what do I want to change as I go into my next career? I'm very much so. um, I'm very uh, reflective in that nature, and I know what I want to do with that. And then body exercising. I mean. I know it's been a pandemic, so some people have exercised and some have not. But I have been exercising these past nine months, and it's been very good for me. So these are habits I want to keep once again going into my next um, job. And then kind of with the soul, I've been reading books, and I've also been able to Um, tap into some passions of mine that have been put on the back burner just because of, you know, the day to day. And so one being I I am an adjunct instructor at an online university. I teach a healthcare administration course. It's very rewarding for me. It keeps me on top of my toes about, you know, the latest and greatest in the industry, but also it it kind of fuels my fire and what I like to do and like help people. Right. And so that's one thing. And then kind of another interesting thing that I've also pursued in this time I, um, am now I have my license for the Georgia life sick and accidents. I took that exam accident and I took that exam essentially. So I can sell insurance at some point, like life insurance and 401ks and things of that nature. And so just kind of random little hodgepodge things. But I think that, you know, you really have to tap into your passion at some point in your life, because that's really what, what life is about, you know? And I, I think that that's something I've been able to do in these nine months. And, Um, passion and tapping into my network to find the next opportunity, right? But I think that just having this pause in in life, and a lot of people have had a pause this past year with the pandemic, has really been, um, I'm just blessed. I'll say it this way. I'm just blessed to have this time. I can't say it any other way. And I think I used it wisely. I am looking forward to jumping back into the workplace. But um, with that, I just feel like you should live your life like every day is your last day. And so, if I didn't wake up tomorrow, what do I want to do in this moment? I want to seize the day, right? And so, that's That's how I live my life these days. And um, it's just so rewarding and so fulfilling. And I feel like I have this glow I haven't had in a long time. And the glow is from within, that's where it's coming from.
0: I think you have fueled your fire and rediscovered your passion and truly what you want to do for yourself. And how you want to live the rest of your life. I think that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you stood back and said, I need options. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a primary source of income a lot of times. And sometimes that can absorb a lot of your life, a lot of your time. You know, one of the things I live by is that I can always get more money, but I can't get more time. And we don't know how much time we really have. Your time is valuable. So if you start looking at the fact it just taking an equation that if you're going to live on average, let's just say 75 years, right? And then you look at where you're at now, and then you start taking that and start dividing that time out, right? How much is that time really worth? If I give an hour to this, two hours to that, eight hours to this, 40 hours to that, how much is that lifetime really worth? So you want to focus right mm-hmm. i think you truly do need to, to focus on whether you're going to have other options of income so you have multiple streams mm-hmm. so if anything happens in the future you you're not going to be upset on your life's goal i think that's that's important Can so next thing i want to ask oh did you want to add to that
1: just a few more yeah okay. go ahead. so i think another key thing I, I would say i learned is don't be afraid to fail i think that's an important Um, I suffer from the perfectionist syndrome or whatever it might be called these days. I I always want to do my best and give it 110%. But um, when I purposely, intentionally decided to leave the workforce for the first few weeks, I honestly felt like a failure. I'm not going to lie. I felt like a failure. I felt like I quit. I felt like I gave up on something because I did resign, right? Um, But looking back in hindsight, I'm no failure. I'm actually a warrior, to be honest. So for someone to actually feel like, you know, they can identify when something's not good for them and prioritizing their own self-care. I think that that speaks more to me than kind of leaving the workforce you know, that aspect. So I wanted to say that. And then also, I know that I mentioned I had a nine month pause. And I know that's not feasible for a lot of people. But in your day to day, sometimes you might need to just stop, pause and redirect, right. So find that time in your daily rhythm to actually just make sure you're, you know, just course correct, if you need a course correct. But I think that you know, your body lets you know when you need to change things. That's the first thank God for our bodies, right? They they definitely um, speak to us. And so I would say, pay attention to the signs and, you know, don't be a victim of burnout. Make sure you actually listen to the signs and don't be afraid to stop, pause and redirect.
0: Oh, I totally agree. I think your body gives you signs, your emotions, your feeling, your intuition. They're talking to you. You know, something's not right. And you know, you're going against the grain, you know, as opposed to flowing with it, you kind of know when you're in rhythm and then when you're out of rhythm. And right. you need to, to to really listen to that, take the time to to listen to that and not be afraid of change.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I think that's good what you just stated. And so for, for our students, because there, there's people out here listening to our audience now that are still in school or their early careers, they're they're getting started. Mm-hmm. And so the question, you know, I want to ask you, and just help with some guidance here, you know, how did you manage that transition from being a student, you talked a little bit about that. Now you're you're in your professional career. You've been doing this now for about ten years, and then your goal was to be an administrator. You've and you you've said yourself you you've you've you know you've gone forward. You went pause. You've gone forward. You did some things, but how did you manage that transition from just getting out of school and really seeing the workplace?
1: Yes. Um, so I would still be a strong advocate of programs like administrative residencies fellowships, and things of that nature. I know they have some more extended type of programs like that too these days, but those two I would definitely highly endorse because for me, it's kind of like risk-free, right? So I had the opportunity and many others have had this opportunity to literally like sit elbow to elbow with the C-suite. How cool is that, right? And so I think that if you are able to definitely apply for those programs because they will propel your career, to be honest. And so I knew that after that program, I could probably stay within the Hopkins system and get a good job. That's something I've seen. I've seen the track record before me. So I I know that a lot of these um, fellowships and residencies do allow that um, to happen for uh, trainees, as we call them, right. So I would I would be an advocate of that. I know it's not always possible because there's only a certain number of slots and things of that nature. So for me, I would say make sure you have two other things. Like if you're still in graduate school and you're trying to figure out what to do next, and maybe that's not an option. Um, the other two other things I would endorse are perhaps consulting. I know that a lot of um, students these days actually go straight into consulting and. Um, we didn't touch on it too much, but I pivoted from industry to consulting. So after nine years being in industry, I pivoted to consulting. And when I was doing informational interviews, everyone kept asking me like, why are you trying to do this? Everyone does This is not the natural track. Normally people go into consulting and then they pivot to industry. And so I would recommend, I actually agree with that feedback just from trying it, you know, industry consulting. I think it's beneficial probably to go straight into consulting if you do have a passion for that. And um, obviously, the pay is pretty well for consultants, but also the exposure. You'll get a very broad exposure, kind of like a residency and fellowship, just in a different light, and be able to really solve some tough problems within leading organizations. So I would say that that could be a track as well. But then also, you can go straight into the workforce. But with that one, I have a caveat that take some time. We have LinkedIn as a tool. We didn't really use LinkedIn too heavily 10 years ago, but LinkedIn is a great tool today. And I would say take some time to actually um, do informational interviews with people, uh, probably in entry-level roles that you are considering so that you can actually get a feel for what the day-to-day position would be like. I think that's very important. Job descriptions are one thing, but after you speak to people, they'll tell you the real Uh, down and dirty of what that role is like and then you can make the decision for yourself whether or not that's something you truly want to pursue.
0: I think you are are spot on with everything you just uh, stated and then the basic understanding I like to convey a lot is that personal branding is career management Mm -hmm. and managing your career is, is, is a personal choice but you have to be absolutely intentional about it. Yes. You just stated something like it's not always the track the track isn't always to go into uh, consulting and then go into industry. Sometimes you go into industry and then back to consulting. What I have found to be very effective, especially for a lot of uh, leaders in healthcare, is that they have done both throughout their career. And the reason why is the exposure. The exposure of, and you kind of alluded to it early in our conversation, knowing how other operations work. Don't just know how your department works, understand how finance works, understand how marketing works, understand other things outside of the clinical roles that you're used to. So you understand the business of healthcare. The more you understand the business of healthcare as an industry and all the trends that are happening, the more valuable. You are, and then your brand starts to really gain even more and more momentum because you're doubling down on your strengths, right? Right. And then they see you as more than just you know in a particular role. Like you stated before, you kind of were looking at operations. You're like, you know, all right, I'm a I'm an ops person, and that's a good track because operations of, of itself puts you in touch with so many other parts. Of, of, of the whole organization right mm-hmm. right yeah. so don't limit yourself is is my, my 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 golden rule don't limit yourself and and try to live your full potential i think that's one of the goals of being on this earth is that you test the limits let's let it fly here i I'm sitting here with Angela raphael she's been in the workforce 10 years she's she's explained a wonderful story. I'm very, first of all, I'm going to say this. I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. Because you're going through things, I think even at an earlier stage, a lot of times, you know, if you haven't gone through a, a downsize, you haven't gone through that that first layoff. And it can be devastating for people because they think, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I'm too valuable. And when you start right. to realize it's not personal, right? right. Or to your point where, You know, you you get into a a situation that's not uh, it's not good for you. It's just not a good situation and you can't see yourself being promoted out of it and you didn't want to take the time. So, you know, this is going to take too long to transition to another job. I feel like I just need to step back and recollect, you know, just collect myself here, you know, and and you know, you have the skill set. You had the inner belief. You know, you're valuable. Right. You know you're successful. You know, you know you have a story that is still untold. It is still getting, you know, read. Uh so we're into this new chapter of your life going into now Medstar. And you I think you said you're gonna be director of operations there, right? And I think you're gonna make a huge impact.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. I'm coming home, Marilyn. I'm coming home. So, yeah, it's definitely, and life is funny like that, Grant, where, you know, you do have those full circle moments. I'll say it that way. And I feel like this is truly like a full circle moment. And so, I mean, I didn't plan this and the man above has the perfect plan for me and I'm just following the path. But I think that, you know, um, all the bumps along the way are well worth it, to be honest. So,
0: no, I tell everyone, yes, God most definitely has a plan for you but you have to do your part or yep. you might get a different <laughs> plan so you
1: know
0: so oh i thought she wanted to do this no she's she's looked like she's going in a different track so we have to lay out a different path so make sure you're yeah. doing your part you're giving your 100 percent, and that you're yeah. doubling down on everything so before we okay. conclude go ahead
1: mm-hmm. I was just gonna say sometimes it takes the risk, like you know what I mean. Yes. But that's kind of your part, too, knowing when to take that risk, right? So that's I it. I definitely agree
0: That's it, and it takes confidence, it takes belief mm-hmm. in yourself, and you know you can get it done. You're still that G dub, you know, winner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, G Dub. That's it. You have
0: not stopped, you have not stopped uh winning uh, at all. So before I leave, I want to. Leave the uh, the mic open. And if there's somebody, or just picture this, there's somebody now probably in that MHA program, or they're probably in that managerial role in, in as an early careers, and they're looking for that next step. They may feel like they're in, in, in a rut and they're not they're not seeing that path forward. What type of advice would you want to leave them with?
1: Yeah, I definitely want to say stay encouraged. I think that's my first and foremost, stay encouraged. Um, and I think that for me, I get joy in others' joy. And so I think that's a good mentality to have because I know LinkedIn, when I look at LinkedIn today, like these days, people are landing these jobs. So now you're saying, congrats, this, good job, go this, right? And so we're happy for these people, but sometimes if it's not you, you can feel a certain type of way, right? Because you've been waiting, right? So when is your time coming? Do you want to know that? But- I want to say stay encouraged because what's meant for you is for you, honestly, right? And so you can take something just because it came your way, but it may not be the right fit. And you may know that and go into that and then be set back, right? So sometimes patience is key, but just stay encouraged along the way because your time is coming. And then also, I want to say that put yourself out there because it only takes like, communication and contact and reaching out and networking to land something, to be honest. And so the worst that can happen is if you reach out to someone on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, the worst that can happen is someone ignores you or they say they don't have the time to speak with you. But the best case scenario is they respond like people like me, I will respond to you. I will let you know if I don't have bandwidth, I will let you know that, too. But nine times out of 10, I actually speak to people. It takes a 30 minute conversation to share about myself, hear about them and then keep them in mind for the future. I'll be honest. Right. So for me and many others on LinkedIn, I think a lot of people have that mentality. But sometimes we're afraid that we're going to get that rejection. Right. Nobody wants to be rejected. But I think it's important to take that risk and put yourself out there because it might have a high reward. So I I would say that those are my two pieces that I would leave these individuals with. And then good luck. I just want to say good luck Um, because I I know that, you know, everybody, we're going to win. We all win differently. And so I think it's important not to compare yourself to your peers and uh, also have that envy or be jealous because everybody's walk is different. Nobody's path looks the same. Your path is perfect. Right. And so I think it's important that, um, just know that along your way, because you're going to be surprised by the journey you take, uh, cause you think you have it in your mind and you think you know where you're going, but these curveballs come left and right. And so just be open to, uh, going along with them.
0: Now, now I got a question. Um, so what was the turning point that got you now going back home to DC, was it a, is it a connection? Was it a networking thing or how did that translate?
1: It was some LinkedIn stalking. So <laughs> I literally was just on LinkedIn one day and saw a post that um, someone from MedStar made and that post resonated. It was about the job. And it resonated with me because I have a similar background. And so I reached out to that person, sent them a message, said, Hey, can we set up some time to speak? set up that 30-minute conversation, and the rest is history. And so that's exactly how that happened. And mind you, I worked at MedStar before, right? But I, I act on impulse sometimes, and I saw the, the invitation to connect, and that's what I did. And so, uh, like I mentioned before, I'm super excited to go back home to Maryland. It's bittersweet that I'm leaving Atlanta, but I, I guess I am an example of what I just mentioned, that I, I do practice what I preach, and I put myself out there.
0: Well, see, that, that's wonderful. That's a great segue into personal branding and utilizing yeah. it. You know, LinkedIn and social media, that's how we connect with uh, you know, a number of different professionals as well as em- employers. So you want to make sure that how you're projecting yourself is aligned, yeah. is aligned. Mm-hmm. And I would say you had a, an alignment. Know with that particular uh, individual or, or recruiter or, or however that uh, took place, but you also were patient, and and yeah. and then when it felt right, and that's that alignment, that's that good rhythm, and here you are, and you're moving forward. So I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight on uh, Follow the Brand, and we will uh, continue to follow your career uh, from 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 a distance, but I'm I'm sure we'll see each other soon hopefully at a, a Nazi event uh, here uh, in
1: 2021. Hopefully, if not 2022, it sounds
0: like yes, New Orleans, right. which is <laughs> one of my favorites. Probably New Orleans. So continue to follow yeah. us on Follow the Brand. You can follow us at www5 We're also on all the different pod, uh, podcast stations, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, whatever that you want to listen in on for your information and your listening, please tune in again next time for our next episode. Thank you very much.